What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wildlife Control Podcast. My name is Kyle Waltz, and this is episode 11. I'm sorry I haven't been on here as much as I would like to be. A very, very busy start to 2020. Hopefully, you guys have had a great start as well. For me, it's all been business, nothing personal, Um, just a very busy beginning to the year. And if you do follow some of the uh, pest management stuff that gets published, uh, PCT Online, um, National Pest Management Association, I'm sure there's some other uh, places that you could have seen it, but um, for those of you that do pay attention, you probably already have seen that my Florida operations were acquired by McCall Service the beginning of this year, January 6th to be exact. So pretty excited about that. We'll talk about that on today's show. Um, So yeah, it's just been very busy for me um, dealing with that and, uh, you know, new owners, getting everything moved over to them, Um, staying with the company, of course, I'm not leaving, Um, taking a leading role with McCall, I'm running their entire wildlife operations for all of their branches across Florida and South Georgia. So they have eight locations that they run. So I'm running all of those for them, um, getting all of their teams on board with wildlife control. And uh, we're going to talk about acquisitions today. So the main thing that we're going to focus on today, because I can talk about it and share about it now, um, is making your business sellable. Making your business sellable. So if you have a company and you one day want to sell it, is it sellable? And we've talked about it before on here, but in the wildlife control industry, it's different. It's it's unique, right? It's not like anything else. So we're going to talk about that today and see if maybe you could tweak some things. Even if you don't want to sell today, you should do some things that are going to help you. So when you do make that decision, or it may be something bad happens, you know, we don't ever prepare for that. But if something bad were to happen, are you ready to do that? And do you have a a potential buyer already lined up? A lot of these acquisitions that you see that happen in many different businesses, industries, those things were going on for years, sometimes, sometimes for years, that company was preparing and ready to pull the trigger when everything was perfect. And for us, we started preparing, I started preparing in 2018 when I got approached and it didn't even cross my mind. You know, you're not thinking about, and I'm I'm a younger guy, you're not thinking about retirement, you're not thinking about selling your business. And I got approached by uh, a very large pest control company I don't know if I want to say or not because I I am under a non-disclosure agreement, but a very large pest control company approached us in 2018 and wanted to buy our entire company. And, you know, I was willing to see what we could get for it because I was like, wow, wait a a second. He's like, hey, yeah, we're going to come in here. Um, We want to buy your company. We want to pay one to two times your revenue and for me, it was like, wow, that's a lot of money. Like, that's a big deal for us. So I, I paused and said, okay, let's do this the right way. I went out and I got a broker 
to evaluate my company and tell me what he thought it was worth. And it was right on the money. So um, you just have to, uh, you have to really just see what your options are sometimes. And for us, that's why I sold our Florida operations is it was a great option. I have a lot of, had a lot of different options on the table. I was at a point where I was ready to really kick this thing into high gear and make it a lot bigger than it was. And I was either going to do that through my own acquisitions, buying other companies, or uh, taking on investors to, to buy companies, or uh, looking at an acquisition, you know, if it came onto the table. And one came onto the table, and I looked at it, and uh, after some negotiations, we made it work. So, you know, you got to look at op- your opportunities in business because at the end of the day, business is about growth and benefiting your own financials, your employees' financials. It was a win-win all the way around for everyone involved, and and that's when you know it really makes it work. So, is your business sellable? So. These are some questions. I'm going to run through these questions and and try and dig in as deep as possible. But these are the questions that I thought of. I'm doing this this uh, podcast this morning from my hotel room. I've been traveling like crazy this year. Um, I'm in uh, Tampa right now. Um, but these are the questions that you should ask yourself. And if you don't have a good answer, you should you should definitely put some thought into it, even if you do not want to sell today. Because look, maybe you're not, you're not thinking about it, but if somebody were to approach you today, let's say your company does a million dollars a year. If somebody were to approach you today and say, hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars cash to buy your company, would you do it? You got to ask yourself that question. Because if you, if you would do it, are you ready? Do you have everything prepared? And you might not know what needs to be prepared, so that's why we're going to go through these questions. So the first question, very important. Can your wildlife control company run without you? And let me, let me explain to you how that looks. You check in with your, uh, your managers that you have, say, hey, just want to give you a heads up. Tomorrow... So very little notice. Tomorrow, I'm going to be gone for a week. And I'm going to turn my phone off. And I'm going to check my email one time in the middle of next week. So if you need anything, just shoot me an email and I'll respond to you middle of next week. If it is not an emergency, meaning no employees are dead, and uh, there's not the, the FBI is not raiding our office, um, just don't, don't even talk to me, just run the business. And then you come back from your one week with your phone off, you turn your phone on, you're going to have a bunch of voicemails, you're going to have a bunch of emails, but you check in and guess what? The business brought in sales, customers were serviced, everything was taken care of. That is a business. You know, if you are the only person that's going to make sure everything runs, you do not have a business. It is not a business. You're self-employed, and it's dependent on you. And you need to fit. You need to get out of that situation. That's a whole other conversation. But you need to get your company to run without you. And you do that through having 
great leaders within your company. Your company has to be big enough, first of all, to, to be able to afford to pay for managers that can run your business without you. And I'm extremely grateful to say that we have great managers in our company. And that's what's made an acquisition so easy, actually, um, for us. So can your company run without you? Make sure you get operational capabilities. You know, when companies are looking to acquire you, they don't just want a great owner. They also want great management. You know, when I go through and I talk about the leaders in our company and our different companies now because we split it up into Florida and then everything else that we're still running, um, I'm very proud to, you know, ex- to describe the experience that some of these people have. You know, I have people that have worked in our industry for over 20 years and, and multiple people that have worked in our industry for over 20 years. And they've been in the industry longer than me. So uh, those are operational capabilities. Those people have experience running pest control businesses and wildlife control businesses. And uh, that's very, very important. So that is one extremely important question. And you've got to make sure that the answer to that is yes. My business can run without me. So how about this question? Can it grow without you? So if you're not there, are your, are your leaders that you have, that have those operational capabilities, are they able to grow the business when you're gone? And growth just simply means they're out there, they're networking, they're marketing, they're constantly hunting for opportunities to build the business up, and they know, hey, we're so busy that we need to hire people. Can that happen without you? Because that's very important as well. Growing your business is important. Because look, if you're not growing, what are you doing? You're probably dying. You're probably getting smaller. You're probably contracting. So you should always be expanding. And it doesn't mean you have to be expanding like crazy like I did back in the past. But you should still be expanding somewhat. It doesn't have to be 100% a year. You know, the the... Most of your bigger companies in our industry, they're growing 10 to 20% a year. Now, this could be a painful question to ask yourself, but are you, are you paying your employees too much? Now, before you get all upset at, at me about this, you have to realize a bigger company, there's benefits to a big company because they have cash flow and they have probably a lot more profit than you do. But at the same time, you have to consider some things that are very, this is a very touchy subject. Like for instance, if you're paying your employees 50% more than the average company in the wildlife control industry, that could be a problem for an acquirer. And you might be paying them so much because you uh, you've used that to recruit them over from other companies. Maybe that was your way of, of finding people, but guess what? That cuts down your on your profit, and that's probably going to f- affect your entire business. And I'm all about pay, paying people good. Look, we have people in our companies that make six figures, um, but 
you still need to be paying close to what the market is paying. So if you look at some of the biggest jobs, uh, the highest paying jobs in the wildlife control industry for, for certain positions, and you match those positions up with your company, what are you paying compared to them? I mean, I look at the big boys. I look at True Tech Critter Control um, when we're discussing salaries because they're a publicly traded company. You know, they're owned by Rollins. Um, I look at Terminex. I look at, you know, a lot of the industry giants and I make decisions based off of what they're doing because what they're doing does matter. And also you have to consider they clearly know what they're doing or they wouldn't be as big as they are. And they wouldn't be able to sustain as big as they are. So uh, they're doing well. And I want to make sure that what I'm doing matches up. Uh, not exactly. I don't want to pay exactly what they are. Sometimes I'm paying less. Sometimes I'm paying more. Uh, but it's close. So you got to ask yourself that question. And look, if, if you are paying too much, I mean, that's a tough, tough thing to change. Um, I, I've actually experienced that. And in my experience, so in 2018, when I got approached by a, a nationwide acquirer, I realized, holy crap, we're paying way too much. We were paying our our, uh, our managers a ridiculous amount of money um, compared to the industry standard. And, and rather than going out and saying, hey, everybody, we're changing your pay right away, I didn't do that. Instead... Um, if we ever had a new position open up, you know, we started that new position at the, the new rate of pay. And if anybody left, we replaced them with somebody with the new rate of pay. Also, we said, look, you have to hit these sales goals. And if you don't, we're changing you to the new rate of pay. So we, we did that as well. Um, how about your price sheets? And if you don't have a price sheet, you certainly should create one. And it should be as very as as detailed as possible, but you got to make sure you're charging your customers in, enough. Because if your strategy is to go out and undercut the competition, that's not always the best strategy. Why is it that you're you're valuing um, prices for wildlife control services at such a low rate? If you're charging a lot and your, your strategy is high quality rather than quantity, I completely get it because we do that as well. Uh, but you got to be careful there. So I guess the question there is, are your prices, do your prices allow you to be profitable on a bigger scale? So if you were to grow your business and you can kind of figure out which costs are going to go up, you're going to have more people talking on the phone answering the phones, you're going to have more managers, you're going to have more insurance. If you're doing those things, do your prices still work at volume? Because let me give you an example. When you're a one-man show and you don't have any employees, you don't have any managers, you don't have anybody answering the phone, and it's just you, you can get away with charging a lot less than your competitors. But at scale, and when you got five, ten technicians and you have people in an office and you know everything that goes with running a bigger organization, you gotta make sure that your prices are gonna work. And you can simply do that by literally sit down and do the math. 
And if you're like, well, Kyle, I don't know, I don't know what uh, an office would cost. Google it. <laughs> Go to Google. Look for a local office in your area. Pick one out. Figure out what the rent is. Write it down. Okay. Now, then write down. Okay, what is it going to cost for me to, to hire a customer service representative? You don't know what to pay them. What are other people paying customer service representatives? Um, what is it going to cost me for insurance when I have you know ten million dollars in sales? C- call an insurance agent. Literally do all of the math backwards. That sounds like a very time-consuming task, and it is, but at least you know where you're at, and you know that you're on the right track, and that is that is planning, and it's going to really benefit you financially in the future. So whenever a company is looking at acquiring a wildlife control business, most of the time it's either going to be a larger wildlife control company like us, or it's going to be a pest control company. And it could be the same size as your business. It could be smaller than your business, or it could be way, way larger. Uh, So the question, I guess, is, is there a value add? Meaning, if this company acquires you, is there any instantaneous benefits as, as far as revenue goes and sales opportunities goes? Are there any instant benefits? So meaning, if a big pest control company buys you, are there opportunities with that big pest control company that are currently not being utilized in terms of wildlife control? Meaning, do they have clients that need wildlife control services that are just kind of sitting at a pause because they don't currently provide that service or have the capabilities to, to resolve those issues? And your company can jump in, you, they acquire you, you jump in, and you say, oh, this client, sell them this for this much, we can take care of this. Sell this client this for this much, we can take care of that. And then all of a sudden, there's just all these great new sales drivers coming in the door. That is a value add opportunity. And what that does for the acquirer is something very, very positive. Let's say they buy you for a million dollars, you're doing a million dollars in revenue, they give you a million bucks for your company. And then um, you they have these opportunities, and it increases your sales in the first year from a million to 1.3 million. Well, guess what? that increases their return, that increases the value of your company immediately, and that is a value add. And that's extremely important when you're talking about acquisitions. And if shoes on the other foot, look, if you're looking at buying a company, and I'm not, look, I'm not a broker, I'm not a genius when it comes to financials at all. I'm, I'm a trapper that happened to fall into this stuff and learn as much about it as I can. But if you're looking to buy a company, you should look at the same thing. Is is there any opportunity, any immediate opportunities when I buy this company that I can immediately add sales? And I think that's what most of the private equity firms and the Wall Street guys look at when they're looking at buying companies. So very, very important. All right, now here's some things that a lot of you smaller guys I know might take advantage of, but this is very important. So you got to make sure your financials are in order. And really what I'm talking about more than anything is keeping your hand out of the cookie jar. And what I mean by that is 
if you are running things as an expense to your business that are not real expenses for your business and they're affecting they're affecting your P&L and your EBITDA then that is a problem so keep personal expenses personal and keep business expenses business that is going to give you an accurate P&L with whatever accounting software you use and you can actually see the real profit because that can hurt you in business because if your profit is smaller because you're running a bunch of personal expenses through your business, that's going to decrease the valuation of your company. So it decreases how much your company is worth. So when the company that wants to buy you out says, hey, I want to see your accounting for the past five years and I want to see your tax returns for the past five years, and you're telling them that you make X, but on here it shows that you're making Y, guess what? That's going to decrease your valuation, and it potentially could mess up the sale. Um, so you want to make sure all that stuff is accurate. And it, it, look, it's really simple. If it hasn't been in the past, then go ahead and change it. Change it today. Say, okay, going forward, I'm going to take this expense out of the business, and rather than running it through the business, just... Whatever that expense is, obviously you can afford it. Give yourself a little bit of a raise to cover it yourself. And if you really want to run it personally, talk to us uh, through a business. Talk to a CPA to see if you can still do it through, um, I don't know, a side business. So uh, you got to look at that. So make sure your financials are in order. It's going to really help you out. It's going to back up everything that you're saying um, because I see that people might be in the habit of saying, I make this much money, but on their tax return, it doesn't show that. And uh, now you have to back your way out of that rabbit hole and hopefully keep the buyer still happy. How about what makes your business so special? So what makes a wildlife control company special to begin with? Well, first of all, we're we're providing services that most pest control companies are not willing to provide. That's one thing. But is there something really special about your business that makes you stand out amongst your competitors? And I think all of us should be striving to do that all the time. Any company should be striving to do that. If you don't have a clear answer on that, you should take some time to think about a way for you to stand out amongst your competitors. Maybe it's the material that you use for exclusion repairs. Maybe it's the way that you have a different person for every little position within your company and it allows you to work more efficiently. Um, Maybe it's your pricing. Maybe it is your warranty strategy. It doesn't have to be a customer service related strategy. It can just be a growth strategy. For us, one thing that I believe really has helped us over the years is we have invested a lot of time and money into our own websites, which drive in leads in all of our locations. And that saves us hundreds of thousands of dollars on advertising costs each year. And let me tell you something. From somebody who has spent a lot of money in advertising before, and we don't now, it is a great feeling to know we have tons of leads coming in, and we don't hardly spend any money on advertising. 
And that doesn't mean we won't one day, because uh, we certainly will. But we're just trying to fulfill what's coming in right now and grow with what we have before we even take on even more. Because we know, boom, there again, there's a value add. That is a value add in a company. So what makes your business so special? You got to know. Because if somebody asks you that question, I hope you have an answer. I hope you don't say, well, I don't know. Um, you need to have that answer because if you have that opportunity, these questions are going to come up some way or another. They might be not be face-to-face and direct, but uh, they will come up. Now, let's say you get all those things done. And there's probably more to that list than what I put on there. But if you get all those things done and you're ready and you think, okay, my business is now sellable. If you wanted to sell your business today, which it's not going to happen in one day, maybe it will. Highly, highly doubt it. It takes a lot of work. Look, it can take six months from that first interaction with a company that wants to buy you. Like if a company were to come today and knock on your office door or give you a call and say, hey, we want to buy you, and they give you the amount that you want, they're still going to do due diligence. They're going to look at all those things that I talked about. They want to look at all of your employee salaries. They're going to look at all of your assets, all of your um, liabilities. They're going to look at your entire company, everything. And that takes a lot of time not so long for them to look at it. It takes, it takes even longer for you to get everything together to send to them. So, I mean, there's another step right there is getting everything ready that they might need. And uh, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. So it can take six months or longer um, if a company were to come to you today to take everything. You know, especially if they're a big company and they have a lot of shareholders they're going to probably have multiple meetings about buying you. And there's going to be some people that might disagree. And that's where it's very important for you to have everything in order. So if you were to go and, and try and sell your business today, how do you get in front of a buyer? You can do this the easy way or you can do this the hard way. Uh, it's up to you. And it really depends on how big your company is and what you're willing to pay to get it out there to sell it. So from a personal experience, you probably, in my opinion, okay, and some people are going to disagree with me, but in my opinion, you if you have a smaller business that's doing less than say less than $5 million or $2 million around that area, you might consider uh, doing it yourself and not hiring a broker. There is value with a broker, but real just you need to really look at the broker that you're talking to. Because if you're dealing with a broker that has a lot of opportunities all the time, he's getting approached regularly and he's got so many balls um, that he's trying to juggle, it's going to take him longer to sell your business because at the end of the day, he's one guy, even if he has a team. But if he's the, the main negotiator um, that's going out and marketing your business, if he has a lot of companies that he's trying to sell, it is going to take him a while. 
in all due respect to all brokers out there, um, but when they have a lot of opportunities, they're probably going to lean towards the opportunities that make them the most amount of money. So if your company is worth $2 million and they have this other company that's worth $10 million, who do you think they're going to try to sell first? Because it takes just as much time to sell a $10 million company as it does a $2 million a year company. So Mr. Broker, full respect, I understand. But you got to think about that. So uh, if, if you, th- and also keep in mind too, a broker is going to charge you. They're going to charge you 4 to 6% or 7% of that sale. It is tax deductible. But it's a lot of money when you look at it. So if you think that you're a strong negotiator and you have the time to go out and have meetings and talk to people, and ultimately, if you love your employees and your company so much that you want to be involved, by all means, go for it. Because I didn't, I didn't use a broker to sell my Florida operation. So how would you go about marketing your business? So I think there's a lot of different ways to go out there and do it. You can, there's different websites you could post it on. Um, I think that's a very slow way to do it. And that's only going to work for people that are actively looking for a wildlife control business to buy. Because let's, let's remember what industry we're in here. It's a very small industry. And, uh, you know, when I talk to people about our industry, they think that most of us are completely crazy to go out and catch wild animals for a living. Um, and I couldn't agree more. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But it's just such a small industry and not a lot of people know about it. And the people that do know about it probably have a misinterpretation about who we are. And they probably don't think we're as professional as, as we are. So I think that the best approach is to find potential buyers. And you can do that by getting in touch with merger and acquisition people. So I think pest control companies are the best buyers for your business. Um, Other wildlife control companies could be, but you're kind of dealing with the devil there. What What I mean by that is locally, if you're going out and meeting with a competitor and marketing your business to them, they might say that they're interested in buying it, but beware because they're looking at all of your customers. Yes, they have to sign a non-disclosure agreement as they should, um, but still there's, there's, there's def- definitely that risk of them seeing exactly what you're doing and uh, copying it or doing something similar. Um, so you got to be careful. So as far as what I did is I went to LinkedIn. I went to LinkedIn when I realized, hey, this is an opportunity. I want to see what I can get. You know, I had an acquirer come to me in 2018. Hey, we want to buy your entire company. Eh, rather not buy, rather not sell the entire company, but let me just see what I can get. They turned out not giving me what I would what I would accept. Um, and so I went to the drawing board and said, okay, who else is out there? And what I did was. I scheduled meetings with mergers and acquisition people or business development people with pest control companies 
um, throughout Florida. And I got in front of people that potentially could be buyers. And it was as simple as going to LinkedIn, finding these people, messaging them, adding them on LinkedIn, saying, hey, uh, I'm going to be in whatever area that they live in. And I'm going to be there this week, all week, even if I wasn't. And I'd like to meet up with you. And I would get in front of those people, buy them lunch. Most of the time, they ended up buying me lunch or dinner um, and having long conversations about business. And then, uh, you know, seeing where the conversation goes, seeing if they're interested in wildlife control industry. I never directly said, hey, um, I want to have lunch with you because I want to see if you want to buy my business. <laughs> that was not how it went at all. It was more so, hey, I'm going to be in Tampa next week. I see that you're in Tampa. Would love to grab lunch and talk business. And boom, meet up with them. Most of these M&A guys, you know, they're always looking for targets. And, uh, you know, when I'm sitting down with them and I'm having lunch with them, my discussion was just simply, I see that you guys are buying a lot of pest control businesses do y'all ever, are y'all ever interested in wildlife control? Or do y'all, are y'all interested in growing your wildlife control and seeing what the, where the conversation goes from there? And that was kind of what happened with us in our Florida operations. It was simply a casual lunch, just talking business. And, um, I don't even think I brought up whether or not they would be interested in buying a wildlife control operation. Um, it was just me more so looking for opportunities and we were actually more focused in a, being a, an acquirer because I had investors but when I went to go meet with McCall that was not the conversation at all the conversation turned around weeks later and they just simply asked if I would be interested in, in a buyout in our Florida operation so look it's you just never know, but you, you got to get yourself out there. You're going to have to go into a lot of meetings. Um, and it's very important that before you go into those meetings, when people ask you direct questions like, Hey, what do you want for your business? You need to have an answer right then and there. You shouldn't say, well, I'll get back to you on that because they want to make sure that you know, your numbers, they want to make sure you should know your margins. When you go into that meeting and they say, Hey, what is your, what is your profit margin? you should be able to spit out an answer immediately on that kind of stuff. So that all comes down to making your business sellable. You know, you got to be prepared for all those hard questions. If you're going to be the one that negotiates, you have to know your business so good. And a lot of people don't know their business as well as they think. So you need to know your numbers. You need to know what what your your sales were last year. You need to know what your profit was last year and the year before and the year before that. You also need to know what your growth rate is. Hey, we've grown this much over the past. So that was one thing that was super attractive to McCall is the fact that, holy crap, this company grew 670% over the past five years. So that's a lot of growth. Um, And I'm very proud of that. And that took a lot of hard work and uh, perseverance to get through some dark times, you know, because it's, it's hard sometimes when you're growing so fast. There's all kinds of unpredictable things that happen. Um, and, and most of all, if you're going to go out and do it yourself and sell your business on your own, you got to be willing to travel uh, on a very short notice. So 
you know, getting your, your spouse, um, on the same page and letting, letting them know, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And this is why I'm going to do it. And ultimately ask yourself when you do talk to a buyer, if you do really care about your employees, and I hope you do, when you go out and talk to buyers, make sure this company that you're going to talk to has a good reputation when it comes to employees. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I chose to sell to McCall is because I looked at their employee retention. I mean, they have employees that have been there for 20 years, 15 years, 10 years. Um, I mean, that's pretty incredible. It's a long time. So I, I think I think that's very impressive. I got a lot of feedback from other industry leaders about them and uh, found out that this is a great company. And you know, ultimately, it needs to be a win-win all the way around for me and everything lined up. Yes, it was a great company. Yes, they have great culture. Yes, they're growing. Um, you know, I'm able to meet directly with the owners of the business, which is kind of a rare thing when you when you have a big, big company. Um, so that was highly beneficial for me to, to be able to interact with those owners and see who they are as people because these are people that not only am I going to be going to work for, but also my employees. And that, that was kind of the greatest part of my deal is they wanted me to be a part of it, but they were also completely fine with me continuing to run my other locations at the same time. So it's, it's kind of a juggling act. I work a lot of weekends still, um, but it's all for the good and it, it benefited everybody. So uh, hey, if anybody has any questions about acquisition stuff, be more than happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, shoot me an email, Kyle at firstcoastwildlife.com. Be happy to help you out. Um, and ultimately, I hope everybody's having a great year so far, and I hope you're able to take a little bit of information from what I talked about. I know I didn't mention the word wildlife control very often in these past 38 minutes. But uh, it's very important for us wildlife control operators to think about business, and that is why I do this podcast. So, all right, guys, have a great day. And real quick, some quick housekeeping things. If you have a business that's doing zero to a million dollars in sales and you want to talk to me about growing your business for an hour, um, I'd love to have you on the show to talk to you and interview you and expand your horizons I'm looking for more people that want to jump on the show. Some of my industry competitors and acquaintances do not want to come on here and share their secrets. Um, So I'm looking for more people to come on here and interview and talk to. And you can learn from me and I can learn from you. Um, So hit me up, Kyle at FirstCoastWildlife.com. I'd love to have you on here. And uh, hope everybody has a great beginning of the year.